In this podcast, Ian Adams, priest, speaker, writer, and new monastic, explores the theme of post-secular spiritual questers, an opportunity for mission. This address was recorded at the National Conference, exploring the place of contemplative expressions of church, contemporary mission, and fresh expressions of the church at the London Centre for Spirituality on Monday, the 16th of May, 2011. The title of this paper is uh, a nifty title, Post-Secular Spiritual Questers, An Opportunity for Mission. Post-Secular Spiritual Questers, Questers, An Opportunity for Mission. I hope this paper will offer some insights and perhaps some questions that you'll find helpful. I'm going to begin with a brief poem. It's called What Does It Take? What does it take to mark the canvas, to write the line, to play the chord, to plough the field, to cross the river, to change the world? Perhaps the courage to let become what is waiting to become. And I wanted to offer that at the beginning of this short paper. I think as a, as a way into the sense that there is something waiting to become in each of us. Perhaps God happening to us, as David suggested. Those of us who are perhaps a little conscious of that, and those of us perhaps who are unconscious of that, there is something waiting to become, and it may require courage of us to allow it to become. So can we describe this age as post-secular, the first part of the title of this paper? At the risk of some oversimplification, if the 20th century can be seen, at least in the so-called developed countries of the West, as exhibiting a journey away from religion into secularization, or through modernity into post-modernity, I think a decade into this new century, the picture is both more confusing and more interesting. The new atheists, Professor Dawkins et al., have made their point and their mark. But I sense there is also a greater openness to spirituality than many of us can remember. It's a mixed picture, of course, but it's out there in popular culture, from the books of Dan Brown to the illusions of Darren Brown, from Harry Potter through to Twilight, I think something interesting is happening. And from my, my sense is that for many younger people, I guess I'm talking about anybody uh, certainly under the age of 25, scepticism about spirituality, antipathy towards religion in general, hostility towards Christianity in particular, is being replaced, has been replaced, by an interesting mix of indifference, incomprehension, curiosity, experimentation, and even engagement. I was musing uh, with one of the mooters on the way from the pub last night. We were wondering whether zombie and vampire films are evidence for a new spirituality. <laughs> well, perhaps they are. Maybe there's just zombie and vampire films. <laughs> Nevertheless, I think something has shifted. So can we go as far as saying that there are now a whole, a whole lot of spiritual questers out there, the second part of the title. It may have been something of a cliche to suggest that this is a spiritual age, 
there's plenty of evidence in any town centre on a Saturday night or on the front page of any tabloid and in the balance sheet of many a business, dare I say, to suggest that our preoccupations frequently still lie elsewhere. An old friend uh, Facebooked me last week. She said this. Uh, we're in a conversation about spirituality. I, she said, what are you doing? And I'm, I told him what I'm doing. She said this. I must confess to not being spiritual at all. I can see why some people find it a comfort after a bereavement, but maybe it's a way of distracting themselves from the real world at that time. Probably not what you want to hear, she said. Maybe it is something that will come to me in later life, or maybe I'm just not one of the people who believe. That said, there is also evidence that there is a new openness to things spiritual. Conversations about spirituality, which I'm really interested in, when we can locate the necessary languages, the necessary words, the necessary pictures, the necessary sounds, are much more of a possibility now than I think they've been at any time in our lifetimes. I really enjoyed at the weekend going to see the, the movie The Way. Have any of you seen that yet? Just come out. I heartily recommend it. It's uh, a tender story set against the... Uh, the pilgrimage in northern Spain, the Camino de Santiago de Compostela, which some of you no doubt will have done, the Way of St. James. Uh, the pilgrimage, says one of the characters, this pilgrimage has nothing to do with religion. Um, I, I probably beg to differ with that. But, but nevertheless, what that character is, then goes on to say is that there's something really important and beautiful here. Definitely a sign of openness to the spiritual. So is there an opportunity for mission third part of the title. This is most important. Please understand that whatever is going on, if there is an opportunity, it must not be seen as the sort of opportunity that means uh, desperately jamming your foot in the door. It's not that kind of opportunity. If there is an opportunity, it must be treated with humility. And the people we encounter must be treated with dignity. The great 20th century missiologist David Bosch suggested that mission is best pictured as God's life of love flowing out into the world. And connected with Bosch's insight has been one of the great rediscoveries in Western theology in recent decades, the concept of missio dei, that is, the mission is God's, which is what Ian was talking about. The mission is not ours, the mission is God's, God's life of love flowing out into the world and beyond. Our calling is to sense how this life of love is being shared and to place ourselves in the flow and to become part of it. So I think I'd be happy to describe this opportunity as a space into which we are invited to become the sort of people that God is calling us to be. A space in which God's reshaping of the world is already happening with us or without us. A space in which communities that aspire to follow Jesus the Christ can once again bring good to our wider communities. A few thoughts then on how we might enter into and be in the space, the mission space, God's life of love pouring into the world. I want to encourage us to, into a renewed understanding of Jesus as gift to all peoples, in all places, of all faiths, of all spiritual paths, and none. 
whatever the nature of the spiritual path of the people we encounter, Jesus comes as gift, the ultimate contemplative inaction, we might say. And whoever we are, wherever we are, whatever our condition or our belief, Jesus offers a way to negotiate life. He took a path of descent and ascent. We too can learn to take this path, so natural to our experience, of course. He practiced a balance of solitude, mountain, desert, and togetherness on the road, in the town, at the table. We too can learn to practice this balance. And he lived a life of devotion to God and to neighbor. We too can learn to love. Please note, as I encourage us to emphasize the possibility of Jesus' gift to all, that if the contemplative path of Jesus is in some sense this great gift, the contemplative streams in other traditions also contain great wisdom. And those of us who aspire to be Christ followers, we don't have all the knowledge. There is other knowledge out there that is gifted to us. I also want to say that the hope-filled Christ story needs to be lived, not just spoken about. And you can see how these papers weave together. Again, I think very much what Pick and what Ian was saying. Uh, back to my friend who said, I can see why some people find spirituality a comfort after a bereavement, after a bereavement but maybe it's a way of distracting themselves from the real world. <clears throat> Therein lies our problem. And if you like, our opportunity and our calling. For too long... The spirituality of much religion has been perceived, with some justification perhaps, as either being an esoteric, otherworldly diversion from life, or as a destructive force whenever it enters the real world, much more concerned with who is in and who is out, and who behaves in a certain way, and so on. But the Jesus of the Gospels presents a very different picture. His path and presence suggest a life to be lived, earthy and whole, engaged with the world as we find it and as it finds us, with compassion and love, with insight and, when necessary, with resistance. So the Christ story needs, above all, to be lived. It needs to be lived, not just spoken about, in joy and sorrow, in our mess and in our wonder, with grit and authenticity. The need to live the story is why community can be so important. Brother Roger of Teze, the late great Brother Roger, encourages us to live the parable of community. Community, of course, is costly and awkward, as well as brilliant and life-giving. But when we live this way, Roger says, the light of Christ shines through. So we need to rediscover patterns by which we can live the Christ way. Not just speak of it, but to live it. Contemplative and active. I also want to say, it seems to me very important to recognise that people's stories matter. For too long, and too often perhaps, we've presented our story as the only story in town. Now, the Jesus story is a gift to all. I would say the great gift. But it's an inclusive story. It doesn't crush people's stories, but it offers wisdom, hope, and presence into our stories. 
So if there's an opportunity for mission, it will be as much about listening as speaking, as much as about accompanying as about offering direction. I've been spending time, as many of you will have recently, with the stories of the the resurrected Jesus. Remember the Jesus of the Emmaus Road, who came near and went with those disciples. And he asked them, what are you discussing with each other as you walk along? Interesting model for mission. What are you discussing? We need to learn the languages of the cultures of of which we are part and which surround us. We need to be in the marketplace, participating, listening, truly hearing the other, asking questions. The great lesson of Jesus, perhaps. And yes, at the right time, in the right way, with humility and authenticity, offering the Christ story and the Christ presence. This is demanding but exciting. And in... um, the workshop I'll do this afternoon, we'll spend some time thinking about languages and what we keep, what's essential, what might be let go of, what might be renamed, what's the essential core of the language that we hold on to. Finally, I want to suggest that contemplative spirituality in the way of Jesus has particular gifts to offer. And those of us who see ourselves as being somewhere in the the Christ-following contemplative stream have perhaps a unique calling and opportunity to engage with the spiritual questers around us, to step into God's mission, God's life of love flowing into the cosmos. This stream offers the wisdom of stillness. Uh, It seems to me that words that come out of stillness have a great potential to them. Because when we go into stillness, all our stuff begins to drop away. And perhaps we begin to see what is truly real. The wisdom of stillness. We have a rich storehouse, an amazing storehouse of wisdom for life from our brothers and sisters in this stream who have gone before us. Uh, most of you have already had a quick look at the, at the, at the Center of Spirituality bookshop. Amazing stuff in there. Centuries of wisdom of people who have devoted themselves to prayer and to serving God in the world. Um, in the words of Van Morrison, one of my heroes, rave on, John of the Cross. <laughs> rave on, Teresa of Avila. What a storehouse of wisdom. And we also have a path to live that enables the people we're alongside to live descent and ascent, which is what we have to do. It's what we have to do. All, it's all around us in, in, the, in the tragedies of life and in the, daily, in the daily stuff. That's what it's about. It's about descending and looking for the possibility of ascent. And it's in the Christ story and Christ presence. We also have in this contemplative stream a tradition that values other faiths and other spiritualities whilst being unabashed of sharing Jesus as gift. It's a way for us to be in the world, open and loving. And it offers, of course, a balance of life, the opportunity to live more simply, perhaps, a new perspective, a way to be fully human, the gift of Jesus. May this be so. I'm going to finish with another poem. This is called In This Stillness. In This Stillness. 
I discover so much noise. Most of it is mine. Fizzing connections and disconnections, a teeming snarl of anxieties, a barely tethered storm fed by old hurts and stupidities. I need to remain here to let the noise make its mark and so to lose some of its power and intensity to sense the gaps appearing, clouds parting, for the quiet light to shine. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information on Fresh Expressions Roundtable Number 5 and other podcasts of this conference and the MOOC community, please see www.sacramental-fresh-expressions.ning.com and www.moot.uk.net.